call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hey, man. Hey, dude. How's it going? It's good. It's Has it been raining up there all day? Um, yeah, a little bit. Less than I was expecting, actually. But, yeah, a little bit. I did not uh, anticipate starting the call off this way, but I have an actual real question. Uh, I read something about, like, eco-friendly ways to uh, dispose of leaves. Like, because some people just let leaves fall off the tree and just stay or whatever. Is there a good way to do that? Cause we have a tree in our neighbor's yard. That's huge. And two in our front yard that are huge and our ground is already covered. Well, I guess a couple of things that you could do with them is like mow them so that they'll get chopped up more. Uh huh. Um, but decompose quicker and then just like rake them around the tree so that they'll decompose and make the the soil around the the tree itself healthier uh, okay or rake them and pile them in a pile in your backyard and let them decompose and use it as your compost st- pile starter and uh and then I'm assuming that with compost, we should like do something with the results of that, like <laughs> grow plants of some kind. Ideally, <laughs> its existence is is good. I will say the worst thing you could do is leaf blow them to the curb and have a big truck come by and haul them off. It's something that I've never thought about since, well ever because but we have a house for the first time and uh our all of our neighbors yards they have a the guy next to us is like a in his 70s and he's extreme like his i think his main project in life is his yard so his yard is pristine the gr- like the grass is fluffed perfectly it's the lines are perfect at all times and our yard is just i mean you can't see a blade of grass on our front yard right now yeah there's always uh what's funny though is uh, and i'm i'm not accusing you of this but a lot of times the one lawn within a neighborhood that is quote unquote the eyesore is is the healthiest lawn i i've heard you soapbox before about how bad the american lawn front lawn is for for the earth yeah it's I mean, honestly, probably lawns and golf courses are two of the, I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy, but, you know, it would be a good place to to start as far as uh, switching over to a different approach, you know. We, when we did our um, event for the disc golf shop over at the baseball field, field is pristine, you know, like it's manicured every moment of the day and the person who's doing it just it's insane the level of detail that goes into it um but every time i left the field whatever i was wearing was covered in green paint which i didn't realize that was the case like i I, 
there are patches that are just not green grass, but they look all uniform and all perfect from the stands. Oh yeah. 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 Well, lots and lots of chemicals are back in that garage behind uh left field wall. Yeah. You just then leave your leaves as they are and just buy a bunch of paint and <laughs> Yeah. You just you just see me out there in uh Jan- or in uh, March just pouring buckets of paint. <laughs> just like <laughs> Home Depot paint. Um Steve said it's healthier just to leave the leaves in place. So I'm gonna <laughs> dump it. Uh, complete irreparable damage. Um, well, do you want to read the text? Yeah, do the what is it, Matthew twenty two? Uh, I think so. Matthew twenty two thirty four through forty. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see Jesus in a lot of these situations, right, where he's approached by someone or a group of people and is presented with either, you know, a question or, um, or a trap, um, of some sorts. And so we, we get insight into these situations a lot with the way that Jesus responds. And so like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about that same scenario at least a couple of times in the last month. Right. It's familiar. Um, yeah, and and so many times, and I'm not, so many times, Jesus, who is a rabbi, responds in a very rabbinical way. And so, for example, was it last week or two weeks ago when we talked about, um, you know, giving unto Caesar that which is Caesar, Caesar, and God that which is God? Like his answers are uh, not vague in the sense that he's avoiding them, but the rabbinical way of answering questions is oftentimes with either statements that continue to provoke additional thought or answer the question with another question to add layer to the um to the ways in which you should be thinking about the subject and so whether it's it's much deeper than an uh, just a simple answer right and so you know whether um when Jesus was presented with the woman caught in adultery and he, you know, and gives this, you know, a little bit vague answer of like, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone or the way that he responded to the tax situation with Caesar or um, even with Nicodemus. And when, you know, he says you must be born again. I mean, that's, that's not a, just a, a direct answer. And, and so, when we see this situation, he's presented with with a question that is also, I mean, somewhat of a of a trap because it's a continuation of these encounters. The Pharisees heard that that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, and so they met together to come up with additional questions to challenge him. But when Jesus is 
given this particular question, he doesn't give a very rabbinical answer in a way that is vague or or responds with an additional question or challenges their premises or anything like that. He just comes back very directly with love. Like, what's the most important thing? And he doesn't need to get creative with this answer. He doesn't, he just comes, he doesn't answer with a parable. No, that's yes. That's another great, great um, uh, approach that Jesus usually uses. Yes. Well, let me tell you a story so that you can think through this. It's like a very it's I'm not saying this is the only time he does this, but it's very much more of a direct to the point answer than we are accustomed to seeing uh, Jesus give. So what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing out of out of all of this? And Jesus doesn't need to tell a parable. He just simply responds with love, love God and love others as you love yourself. Yeah, I mean, it is the central message and theme of all of the rest of Jesus' teachings. And in something like this, maybe there's not, I don't know. I, I do think it's an extremely interesting point to think that he doesn't, he doesn't reach for a story. He doesn't, uh, he's not trying to play multiple angles for different uh, people in the crowd that might be, he's, he just says exactly what he thinks. This is the central thing to my whole teaching. There, yeah, and there, there are answers to some questions, right? So, like, because, and you know, and, and we do this all the time, and and not that it's wrong, because it is a major part of the way in which we work through all of this. But like, we use words like mystery and non-duality, and you know, all of these things that provoke an expansion of the way in which we view things. But but people take that sometimes to an extreme where they eliminate the foundations out of which they are able to do the exploring. Yeah. There's but, nothing to hang your hat on. There's nothing that's solid. There are, but there are roots You're, and we can't cut ourselves off from the roots. Yeah. I was, I wasn't saying that there isn't, that there aren't those things. I was saying that it's, that there are people for whom there are no foundational things. There are no things that you can hang your hat on. There's nothing to, to kind of hold on to. Right. And well, so what we're reminded of in, in encounters like this is that, you know, this this is a root. This yes. is this is vital. This is like if you are exploring these other avenues or these other questions out of a different foundation than than love being central, then then you're not pulling from the right or you're not drawing from the right well. Yeah, it, it's valuable to know what are kind of non-negotiable things for you and things that you, you like that are settled enough that you can, you can bank on them. And it, I don't know, it, it almost brings to mind for, for people that are, you know, struggling, wrestling, whatever to, to make a list of those things that are like, all right, I don't know exactly what happens when we die. I don't know how salvation works exactly. I, whatever the thing that you're wrestling with is, but I know that, you know, in, in today's instance, love is central to all of it and, and to make a list of those things. Yeah, we need those. Yeah. Like you said, we need those non-negotiables like as, as reminders of the things that we will not stray from. 
What's the you thing? Know, what's the thing that Paul says? Like only live up to what you what you've already attained or that you already know. It's like you can't know what you're going to know in the future, but you can know what you know now, and you can hang your hat on something. Yeah, it's it's we're gifted in a sense with with anchors, you know, or, or whatever metaphor you want to attach to it. But the, but it is a gift. But it's it doesn't eliminate the need for continued exploration but it provides this safety net out of which you know like when we like say we 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 explore something and we find it wanting we know that we're not just left hanging in that moment without any kind of safety net it's like no there is this strong foundation this this christ-centered love this grace and this mercy um you know, faith and forgiveness and, you know, create that list of, of these things that we just know to be true. And, and again, they, those are, are many things, but one of those things that they are, or one of the things that they also are is a gift because we can have this sense of safety as we explore these deeper meanings of life, or even the way in which those things like love play out in the world you know i mean just to simply say that love is the most important thing doesn't end that story i mean it's like well okay what does that mean for love to be expressed into the world but we can explore that with the foundation strongly in place that that christ is at the center that god is love that you know um and rely on that we're rooted in that yeah, I had a I had a conversation with someone this week that was extremely familiar, and there are so many friends of mine that I love um, that are on a kind of similar trajectory that I was, uh, and they're questioning so many different things, and they're they're kind of struggling to find meaning in the things that they used to find meaning in, and questioning the foundations of things, and questioning the things that were in place that were kind of foundational that no longer ring true. And, um, there, there's like a, there's a real despair in it because you wish you could go back to the comfort of what used to be secure that used to feel, you know, strong and, and just given. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to have something in the midst of that that you can hang on to. And I just think that this is one of those things that, that you could kind of root yourself in, in that process in a way that doesn't lead to despair, you know? Yeah. So I guess, I mean, so what is that thing then? I mean, what, you know, what is that thing that we do root ourselves in? I mean, and I know that this is, the obvious next question but like what is love then because it um you know it's it's been stripped of its power because of well not completely i don't want to overstate that but um it's it's maybe an overused word in a sense right and so it it becomes like you know when all you need is love, man. And it's like, okay, well, well, what, what does that, what does that mean? You know? And yeah, I mean, it's, way- in, it's in Coke commercials, you know, 
Right. Right. And the a couple years ago, I think, or maybe more, um, I I forget what it was that I was preparing for a specific sermon or something like that. And and it that question, I, I really had to to dig into that a little bit. And you know, and of course a word like love, you know, you can't exhaust this definition or or um, even come close to it probably. But one thing that was very helpful for me was, was this thought. So we know that the Greek, there's several words for love, right? right? I mean, I mean, that's been in thousands and thousands of sermons. Yeah. If right? you've been to church even once, you know that you've right. And and then, of course, part of that is like how the English language with only one word lessens the the way in which we we understand love, because they'll say things like you use the same word for you love pizza and you love your wife. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You've been to church. <laughs> <laughs> but but actually, I love and find it very <laughs> look, I just used that word. <laughs> I didn't I find it very helpful, actually, that we only have one word for it, because I think the meaning of it is the same, but the application is is, is different. It's a because, kind of energy that we're dipping into. Yeah, because I think the for me, when I think of love, I think that it is to be present and participate in the present moment that you're given in whatever relationship that moment presents in a way that brings the good or seeks the good for the relationship. And so like showing up fully for someone, for someone's good benefit, whatever. Right. And so, yeah. And so it's to seek the good of the other. And so whether that's my wife or a tree, my goal is the same is to bring is to be present to the other in a way that brings about the fuller expression of the other's good. And so when I love my wife, part of my desire is to bring out her fullest, most good expression of for herself. And it's the same. Then when I say I love a tree, it's the same. It's the same thing expressed very differently, but, my desire is to bring about the the fullness uh, the fullness of its own expression or the expression of its own identity. The treeness of the tree needs to be fully expressed. And so how do I participate in that relationship in a way that cultivates space and the ability for that full expression of identity, whether we're talking about my wife or or myself even, you know, love, love up your neighbor as you love yourself. How do I, how do I love myself? How do I love, you know, creation? How do I love friends? How do I love um, family? But it's all, it's all part of this same, the same category of participating in the relationship that I find myself in, in a way that brings about the fullest expression of the good. And Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And it's it's about bringing about the fullness of, of that person. So you're, you're called to love Beth into the fullness of herself, but not for your own sake. It's not 
that you love her in a way that, that brings about the good in her so that it benefits you. Like the, in every wedding that I, I do, I read this quote from Thomas Merton. He says that the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. So it it's it's loving them into the fullness of who they are, but not in a selfish way. Not because it will benefit you in some way, but because it's for their good. Yeah, that's that's a very powerful point to that whole thing. Because especially like because if I would say that in regards, let's just say toward Beth, my wife like no one like someone should call me out very quickly if i would love her in a way that is that selfish right, right. yep but you know love isn't contained just to that inner human you know human to human relationship or whatever it's like but but where we see that most played out is like you know if i climb to the top of a mountain and i say wow i love this sunset that i'm i'm witnessing what i'm actually saying is i love this the feeling that this scenic view is giving me right but that's such a short-sighted way of, of understanding that um if if i'm not participating in that relationship with the soil with the mountain with the tree in a way that also is cultivating its most or fullest expression of its identity and so i think we see you know merton's quote unfortunately finding um expression a lot of times in the way in which we we say that we love other things like creation because love is i mean you know love is sacrificial right like it has to be or else it's not love right it's not just it's not just absorbing the things that bring about you know our or out you know the the things that we think we need in order to bring about the fullest expression of our joy or happiness or, or pleasure. Well, that's, that's chapter one of Merton's no man is an Island. It's, 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 I didn't finish the chapter because I, I realized that it was, it was like I was in college when I read it and I realized that it was, it was going to be too deep of water for me to be. And he said, if you love someone, even with the knowledge that they're going to love you in return because of it, then you haven't loved. You haven't even come close to loving. And uh, and that's the dominant kind of expression, I think. It's true. I mean, you know, love shows up in the way that it is needed, you know, in the moments that it's given. And, and a lot of times that means suffering and sacrifice. And um, because that's the path that, that all will bring about good, the fullest expression of goodness. I mean, know that that we know that the path the resurrection goes through the the cross yeah um, the ultimate example of of god loving the world and that's the same love that we are called to express one to another and to ourselves and to to all things and so we know that it's going to involve sacrifice and, and suffering it it's going to be challenged if love isn't if love doesn't come through challenge then it's not love yeah, so I, I mean, everything that we've talked about so far is 
had like a clear kind of uh, definition to it in our love for, for others, the physical world, the, you know, uh, the, the people that are closest to us, all of that. It, there's a clear kind of, so what kind of a thing for that, for loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. But the, the aspect of loving God, like heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that, that first part of it, what, like, what does that even mean? Because God is like, God and Jesus had physicality, but we can't touch or see or know exactly what God even is. So what, what does it even mean to love God? Yeah, and it's funny, I guess, before we start talking about that a little bit further, it's it, what's funny to me is how quickly we move past that <laughs> because it's like not because we don't like it, but it, there's almost this weird assumption that, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, love God with all your heart, strength, mind. And it's like, well, yeah, that's important. That's a given. But it's like, hmm, I don't, you know that becomes very tough um, to not to do necessarily, but to even understand when we, I mean, just, you know, all the ways in which we have just talked about of, you know, maybe one of the ways to define it is to, you know, to be present to the other, to bring about their greatest potential, you know, or like, so, so what does it mean? And, and, you know, and, for yourself and for a neighbor, we can talk about that in, in easy or a lot easier, but then it's like, well, wait a minute. What does it mean to, to love God? I mean, um, it does raise a lot of questions, I guess, if we allow ourselves to to think through it, because it's not just the emotions. I mean, obviously emotions are very, very much attached to the idea of love, not, you know, they aren't, exclusively what it means to love and so it's like to love god does involve having certain emotions but it's you know to the command is not to feel love for god at all moments exactly and and so you know if you want the you know the eighth grade youth group member to answer or think about this question then it's going to be well how did i feel during the worship set you know (laughs) well and and there is so much of a burden placed on that. Like, are you on fire for God, brother? Do you love God? Are you like, is Jesus, the all of that kind of hype stuff. We, we don't ever really investigate what that means. Does it just mean to close your eyes as hard as you can and like <laughs> try to will yourself into some kind of state? Like what I just, I really do think, that a a worthwhile path of conversation is to figure out what that even means at all. You know, and all that's not to dismiss that part of it is just simply to sit in this divine presence with a certain state of emotions. You know, it, it, it definitely is part of it. I, I, truly believe so i don't want to just simply dismiss that but but it it isn't the totality of it and i think that uh some of the other ways that we can start to think about that is like in the words of jesus where he says when you um clothe the naked when you feed the hungry when you um 
care for the sick or, or all of that. It's like what you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And so when when we define or when we partially define love as, you know, like being present to the to the to the moments to to others to the world in a way in which brings about the the you know the fullest expression of the good um i think that it i think that it applies to god in a way as well and i know that that's treading on some dangerous territory because it talks about that almost implies like this incompleteness to god you know mm-hmm. but um but I think one of the ways in which we love God is to to be present to God's world in a way that allows for God to be God in a way that God has not yet been God to the world because the world has not yet expressed its fullest, fullest goodness. I, no, I think that's ex- extremely right on, and it does kind of verge into – I mean – in, I can't remember who said it. I think it, it was probably Merton that said, like, in the end, everyone's a mystic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, it's true. It It is kind of heading in that direction. But, we, of course, we are talking about, like, infinite being, an uncreated, you know, an uncreated being that created all things that we see and know. I mean, I, I was reading some stuff about space earlier today and just freaking out internally about just the scope and scale of the universe. But so, so I do think that we ought to come from a starting point of like, uh, mystery and, and unknowing and, you know, awe and wonder and all of that. But I think it does lead us into a place where we can love this infinite being, uh, you know, eternal thing by, by doing well with what we can see. And so it's like the, uh, Teresa of Avila, the, the poem of hers that I, I, I read a few years ago, uh, Christ has no body, but yours, no hands, no feet on earth, but yours, yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. And that has stuck with me too because it's like what mechanism would God have to do good in the world? You know, like we're it. We're we we are and i know that this is kind of pointing outwardly into like how we how we respond and not necessarily how we love god but i do think it is this kind of symbiotic relationship of of kind of mutual love in that way i i think that i think that what you're saying is extremely important well when it, you know when he says if you love me you'll keep my commandments you know that's that is not that's not me telling my kids like this it's not demanding their love being shown by following my rules like clean if you love me you'll clean your room if you love me you'll you know go through that whole 
as list if, of as if it's dis the action itself is disconnected from the love. Right, but it's like you know, so because I, the commandment isn't the right isn't the best you know maybe translation for our understanding of, of that. But it's like if you love me, it's like you will express this in the world. Like you will be love, you know, in this place. You will. You will. You love me by participating in this kind of flow. Yes, you will. You will be deeply engaged in what it means to cultivate love that produces life in this world. Mm-hmm. So it can't be detached from action, like as if you know, could love God without doing, you know, the thing that He wants. It, yeah yes exactly it's what would the content of that be other than just thinking really hard about something or like trying to get to a place where you you know fall in love with santa claus in your mind well yeah because it, it kind of falls into the space of you know you hear a lot of people sometimes saying statements like you know, if, if you challenge behavior or something or the way in they engage the world, it's like, well, you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You know, like, yes, well, we do. I kind of do, you know, because, yeah, because I'm, I'm witnessing the way in which your heart is 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 spilling out into the way in which you engage the world. And so, yeah, like, you know, you don't understand. I love God. You know, well, I mean, does that mean you are how do you treat the least of these what do you do with your your finances what do you do with the the care of the world what do you do with um you know the 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 gifts and the time and the energy that you have been given it's like it can't be detached from that and the command is and it's like so what's the most important love the lord your god with everything that you are you know and and so so engage this world with everything you are in a way that produces God's life in the world. I, I think, I think you're spot on and it, it couldn't kind of come at a better time because at least in the context that I was raised in any, any kind of love for God kind of conversations would have been rooted in, I mean, in church worship services, you know, like, that that's the place where we all get together and and we sing our lungs out and that's how we express our love to God. So if we if we think these thoughts about God, if we sing these songs about God, if we do all of this, then that's how we show. That's the primary way we show love for God. And you know, like on the Washington Mall right now, there's this guy, this Bethel worship leader, who's doing these uh, huge worship festival things around the country right now with tens of thousands of people uh, all gathering, you know, in places where you're not supposed to be doing that so that they can sing worship songs under the guise of religious liberty or whatever it is. And it's like, I'm not saying that there's no value in singing worship songs and that, you know, obviously I'd be in the wrong business if I thought that there was no value in that. There was no point in that form of liturgy, but it is, it feels like adventures in missing the point. And what you just articulated 
is so much more of a robust, full kind of picture of what it means to love God, to give of yourself sacrificially, to, you know, love the least of these, to do good to your enemies and to those who harm you, to, you know, pursue the the greatest good of people that might hate you, you know, like to, to act in these ways that are prophetic and countercultural and all like that is, that is the way to express love to God. It's not just about, you know, singing four chord kind of new era worship songs. It's, it's so, it has to be so much bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, and I know you're not saying this, but, but it's, it doesn't need to not include you know, that as well. Of course. If the artistic and, expression, it, it comes out of a rich life with God and it, yeah. it is bubbling out, it has to find expression artistically. Then yeah. sing every song, dance every dance, write every poem, do every project. You know, like all of that is valid and, and has to happen. But, but that has to come out of something that is life-giving. You don't get... You don't get the flow, the essence, the energy, those, all these words that we try to paint to get to what we're saying. You don't get to the heart of it by doing the trappings. You can't go outside in. It has to be inside out. Yeah, that, that's worth listening to three or four times because I think that is, you know, one of the most important points because it's not, it's not a cold mechanical obedience and it's not a detached three worship song set it's you know i mean think about your own most intimate relationships you know your marriage it's like it's it's not about just doing the dishes you know because i love them or or whatever it's this holistic understanding of of everything is under that umbrella so so love means, you know, rolling up your sleeves and doing something so sacrificial that seems so counterintuitive to what you want to do because it benefits the least of these. And it also involves swimming in the ocean and laughing with your friends yeah. and all of that. I mean, um, I think that's so important the the work and the artistic expression um is just very very important mm -hmm. well in line with that uh you've really spoken to me that uh i need to go do the dishes because <laughs> it's uh it's been a couple of days and uh, it was my job and i haven't done it yet have you uh have they ever sat there so long that you just assume that they have cleaned themselves in the, in the dishwasher? And <laughs> so instead of stopping Zeke from grabbing a dish, you're like, eh, this should be fine by now. It's gone through the full <laughs> life cycle. No, uh, we have let some dishes, you know, if you do some like pot, that's too big to go in the dishwasher, not supposed to go in the dishwasher you just let it sit for a while. And you yeah. have the, you have the real thought, like, probably just throw this away. Like this is just, it might just be too far gone. We, we're, we're at that point with a couple of items right now. So I need to, uh, I need to, I need to kind of make good on that. And I'll put headphones in and listen to a podcast and 
get after it. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'll pray for us. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're in us and with us. Um, thank you that uh, you're working things out uh, in our lives and that you want us to grow. Pray, Lord, that you'd help us whatever ways it means, because it's not just one thing. It has to be a million varied ways for every person that's listening to this. Um, you'd help us to love you with our heart, mind, soul, strength, every part of ourselves, God. Help us to love you in this kind of um, multifaceted way, God. Help us to um, bring expression to that love in ways that are really con uh, really concrete and um, help us to love our neighbors, not the neighbors that we choose, not the people that agree with us, but uh, the neighbors that you've given us, the people that you've put in our lives, the people that you've put us in proximity with, um, the people that we willfully kind of keep out of our lives. God, help us to love those people as the, in the same way we love ourselves, that we do to them what um, we would want them to do to us, that we would bring good into the world in ways that are really specific. And, um, yeah, we just trust you that you'll help us in the ways in all the ways that we fail to do what we want to do. And, um, somehow you work in all of it, God. So we just trust you. We lean into you. We ask you to help us to get in, uh, get in on whatever work you're doing in the world. Help us to join in that, that work, that flow Jesus name. Amen.